السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Respected listeners, once again we gather for the commentary of the hadith of Shafa'a the great intercession on the day of reckoning for those of you who are following the hadith in the abridged version of Sahih al-Bukhari, the hadith number is 1751, and for those who are following in the original text of Sahih al-Bukhari, it's 1470, sorry, 4712. So... To continue from where we left off last week, this is a very famous hadith related by a great number of companions, عنهم, and this particular narration that we are studying from Sahih al-Bukhari has been related by Abu Hurairah. In it, he mentions that the Prophet sat down for a meal and very casually after taking a bite from the foreleg of the goat Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam addressed the seated companions and told them of some of the proceedings of the Day of Judgment. And he mentioned that people will be in great distress since they will all be gathered in one plane. The whole multitude will be visible. And they will all be waiting for their creator to begin the actual reckoning and the accounting. And the wait itself will be torturous. That will be a calamity and a misfortune in itself. In that tense wait, each individual, although this part isn't mentioned in the hadith, this particular narration, we know it's from other narrations, people will be standing in their own sweat and perspiration. 
they will perspire according to their sinful deeds. And people will be standing in the sweat of their deeds, some till their feet, some till their ankles, others till their knees, others till their waist, others till their chests, others till their shoulders, others even up to their mouths, and they will be almost gargling and suffocating in their own sweat and perspiration. And in fact, in one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actually imitates a sound. So, this will be on their, based on their deeds. In this hadith, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also mentions that the sun will draw closer, as a result of which people will feel the heat and sweats and perspire. Eventually, People will form bands and speaking to each other, they will lament their misfortune and plead with each other that do you not see what, what has befallen us? Is there anyone to relieve us of this? Is there anyone to deliver us from this? And in this common concern, eventually they will first go to the Prophet Adam salam, being the father of mankind and address him with words of praise and remind him of his position. They will plead with him to intercede on their behalf before Allah the Creator, merely to begin the reckoning. They won't even be pleading for him to intercede on their behalf for forgiveness. Rather, just for the reckoning to begin, for the trial to begin. The weight itself will be torturous. The Prophet Adam salam will inform them that this is not my position this day. This is not my task. And then he will recall his own responsibility. He will recall his own accountability and say that Allah forbade me from the tree, yet I disobeyed him. And then he will say, Nafsi, 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 my soul, my soul, my soul. Meaning, this day, my soul itself is in greater need of intercession than me approaching the Creator and inceding on behalf of the creation. This day, my own soul is in need of salvation and forgiveness. Then he will say, go to the Prophet Nuh And in this way, this band of people, a great multitude of people, will approach Prophet Adam They will be re- redirected to the Prophet Nuh He will speak of his own condition and say, nafsi, 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 my soul, my soul, my soul. And he will redirect them to the Prophet Ibrahim This is a point till which, uh, till which we reached last week, and so we continue from there. So having said, nafsi, 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 my soul, my soul, my soul, the Prophet Nuh says, idhabu ila ghayri, go to someone besides me. Idhabu ila Ibrahim, go to Ibrahim. فَيَأْتُونَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ 
So they, the people, will come to Ibrahim. فَيَقُولُونَ يَا Ibrahim. They will then say, O oh, Ibrahim, أَنْتَ نَبِيُّ اللَّهِ وَخَلِيلُهُ You are Allah's prophet and his best friend. His dear friend. مِنْ أَهْلِ الْأَرْضِ From the people of the world. إِشْفَعْلَنَا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ Intercede on our behalf. Before your Lord. أَلَا تَرَىٰ إِلَىٰ مَا نَحْنُ فِيهِ Do you not see what state we are in? فَيَقُولُ لَهُمْ So Ibrahim السلام, will say to them, إِنَّ رَبِّي قَدْ غَضِبَ الْيَوْمَ غَضَبًا لَمْ يَغْضَبْ مِثْلَهِ Verily my Lord has this day become angry with such an anger that he has never been as angry as this before. And he will never again be angry as this, as angry as this, after this. So he repeats exactly what the Prophet Adam and the Prophet Nuh said, word for word verbatim, that this day my Lord has become angry with such an anger that's unprecedented and he will never be as angry again after this. And then, just like the other prophets, والسلام, Ibrahim السلام, will recall his own responsibility and a few things for which he himself will feel accountable for, oh, for which he will feel accountable on the day of resurrection. And they are, just as Adam السلام, said about his disobedience of Allah in relation to the tree, just as the Prophet Nuh said in relation to his praying against his people leading to their destruction. Just as he will feel responsible for asking Allah to or for saying to Allah that your promise of delivering and saving and granting salvation to my family should encompass my son, since he is of my family too. But his son was a rebel. So he will feel responsible for those two things. Similarly, Ibrahim will also feel responsible for something. And he will say on that day, وَإِنِّي قَدْ كُنْتُ كَذَبْتُ ثَلَاثَ كَذِبَاتٍ Verily I had uttered three lies. So Abu Hayyan related them in the hadith. Now, I will just ask you to bear with me here. So for the benefits of these students of hadith, the the sentence says, فَذَكَرَهُنَّ أَبُوْ حَيَّانَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ That Abu Hayyan mentioned them in the hadith. What this means is that, Imam, is that the narrate, one of the narrators of the hadith in the chain, Abu Hayyan, when he related this hadith to his students, he related the full hadith, but at this point, he also related 
the three lies that Ibrahim salam speaking of in detail. But the later narrators after him, they merely ab- they abridged them. So they, in fact, they omitted them. So they omitted the detail, leaving only the beginning part to say that I uttered three lies. So that means that the narrators below Abu Hayyan omitted the mention, and this was this was merely done as a form of abridgment. But the upper narrators, Abu Hayyan, and the narrators above him all the way to Abu Hurairah radiyallahu an, they actually mention the three lies in detail. That's the meaning of this sentence, فَذَكَرَهُنَّ أَبُوْ حَيَّانَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ that Abu Hayyan mentioned them, i.e. the three lies, in the hadith, in some detail. Anyway, getting, going back to the explanation of the hadith. So what were those three lies that the Prophet Ibrahim salam spoke of? They are mentioned in other hadith in detail, including in Sahih al-Bukhari. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam did not utter a single, did not lie except three lies. He did not utter any lies except three. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentions them. The first one, when he said, inni saqeem, and this is reference in the Quran, where Allah says, فَنَظَرَ نَظْرَةٌ فِي النُّجُومِ فَقَالَ إِنِّي سَقِيمٌ Where Ibrahim السلام, cast a glance at the stars. Then he said, إِنِّي سَقِيمٌ I am unwell. I am indisposed. Then the second lie was, Again, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Qur'an. بَلْ فَعَلَهُ كَبِيرُهُمْ هَذَا Nay, it's this great one who has done it. And the third lie was when he said of his wife Sarah, She is my sister. So, what was the context of these three utterances? The first one. The first one and the second one are related. The Prophet Ibrahim faced an uphill struggle in his belief, in his faith, and the practice of his faith. His people, including his own family members, were opposed to him. And they were guilty of pagan beliefs and practices. And he was an upright monotheist. And he would have his debates and arguments. And even at a very young age, Ibrahim salam passionately felt that he, he felt passionate and incensed about the paganistic beliefs and practices of his people. And he could not bear to see their shunning the one creator, Allah, and bowing and prostrating themselves to handmade and carved idols and 
and engraved images. So Ibrahim السلام, resolved to teach his people a lesson and smash these idols. But when could he do that? When would the temple, the great, the grand temple be empty? And he planned and he thought that one day when there is a festival, they used to have regular festivals. So on the day of the festival, people will be immersed in and busy, preoccupied in festivities and celebrations and merrymaking. Maybe that will be the occasion. So on that occasion, people gathered on a particular festival and they approached him too. And they said, come out with this. And it's in relation to that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, فَنَظَرَ نَظْرَةً فِي النُّجُومِ فَقَالَ إِنِّي سَقِيمٌ He then, he cast a glance at the stars. Now what's the meaning of this? It's simply the, uh, it's a phrase in Arabic, which means that if someone asks you a question, and you don't immediately reply, but you think for a moment, you ponder, you reflect, you pause for thought, Often what people do, they look askance and think. So, they're standing in front of you, they're facing you, but suddenly they look askance and often they're staring away into the distance, deep in thought, and they're looking at the sky. So, the Arabs would refer to this as نَظْرَةٌ فِي nujum. So, he, he looked deep in thought and reflection, and then he said, I won't come. Inni saqeem, I am unwell, I am indisposed. Now, this is the first supposed lie. The question is, so he said, I am unwell. Then, the Prophet wasallam said, the second lie was, بَلْ فَعْلَهُ كَبِيرُهُمْ هَذَا So what Ibrahim salam did, is after the people left, and they left him alone, he went to the great temple and he smashed all the smaller idols. And the great idol, the chief idol, he left alone. And he went and hung an axe around it, its neck. When the people returned to the temple and discovered this damage, they were incensed and furious. And they began inquiring, who did this? So the people said, We heard of a young man, we've heard of a young man, who speaks ill of these gods. He is called Ibrahim. So they went in search for him. They dragged him to the temple. And they said, O Ibrahim, have you done this with our gods? So Ibrahim alayhi salam in sarcasm said, Nay, it's this great idol who did this to them. So why don't you question them if they can speak? Now, let me speak about these two Utterances. The Prophet said, Ibrahim did not utter any lie except three. 
One, when he said, Inni Saqim, I am unwell, I am disposed. And two, when he said, Nay, the great idol has done this. So, were they lies? Were they falsehoods? And how could a messenger of Allah utter a lie or a falsehood? So in reality, these weren't lies. In Arabic, first of all, in Arabic, the word kadib is very different to the word lie in English. A very simple way of looking at it is, in Arabic, kadib means a statement of fact or a statement, or an utterance, which does not match reality. So this is why in Arabic, an error is also called gadib. So if someone says something sincerely, genuinely, believing it to be true, but it doesn't correspond to reality. In other languages, in English, we will call it an error. But in Arabic, because of the technicality of the reality not corresponding to that utterance or that statement of fact, it's called kadib. That's why in some of the narrations we find that when some of the narrators would reject what another narrator had said, they would say kadib. But kadib here doesn't mean he lied. It means akhta. He erred. He's made an error. He's made a mistake. So, in Arabic, going to the root of the word, kadib actually means something which doesn't correspond to reality. Now, since lies are meant to deceive and to appear, well, lies are meant not to correspond to reality, that's why kadib is also called a lie in Arabic. But the same word, kadib, could mean in Arabic, could mean a lie, it could mean an error, it could simply mean something which doesn't correspond to reality. Now, in, when Ibrahim salam said, Inni saqim, I am unwell, he wasn't referring to himself being physically sick. And the word saqim in Arabic doesn't mean someone suffering, doesn't necessarily mean someone suffering from a debilitating physical illness. It just means someone who's unwell. That's why I translated it as unwell, indisposed. So if the people were inviting him to come out, without further elaboration, if he just said, I'm indisposed, he's not in the state, maybe he has no inclination of joining them, his feeling unwell could be because of their festivities, because of their malpractices. It doesn't need to reflect, uh, doesn't, does not necessarily have to mean physical illness. So it's, he said something, he meant something, they probably took it as something else. In English, this wouldn't be called a lie, it would be called an equivocation. Where you say something which can mean two things, you obviously mean one thing, but the others take it to mean something else. It's an equivocation. That's one thing, saqeem. Secondly, when he said, He did that not for personal reasons, that was sarcasm. And it was meant to illustrate a point 
that they were bowing and prostrating and sacrificing to the altars, on the altars, to these gods. That were engraved images and carved idols. He had pleaded with them over and over again. They cannot speak, they cannot understand, they cannot hear, they cannot see. He told his own father, Ya Abati, لِمَ تَعْبُدُ مَا لَا يَسْمَعُ وَلَا يُبْسِرُ وَلَا يُغْنِي عَنْكَ شَيْئًا That, oh my father, why do you worship that which cannot hear, which cannot see, and which cannot help you or avail you, or avail you of anything? So he had repeatedly mentioned this message to everyone, to all and sundry. No one paid any attention. So Ibrahim alayhi salam wished to illustrate and demonstrate in a very graphic manner the inability of these idols to hear, to see, to even protect themselves. And again, in a very dramatic manner, he wished to leave one idol, the chief idol, intact so that he could lay, pin the blame on it. But it was obvious. He wasn't deflecting blame in a way, he was conceding that I've done this, but sarcastically, he was saying that no, it's the greater one who's done it. And since they had to concede that the greater idol cannot speak, cannot defend itself, cannot hear or see. Yet, are we expected to believe that he did all this? So they knew that the only culprit was Ibrahim alayhi salam. So again, he wasn't lying. In a way, he was conceding. He was accepting that I've done this, but he was illustrating to them, demonstrating to them in a very sarcastic manner the, irration, the, the irrational behavior and worship of theirs in relation to the idols. So that was sarcasm, the second one. And the first one was an equivocation. So these weren't lies. Why are they called lies in Arabic? In the hadith, I've told you. Kadib in Arabic means something, a statement of fact, or a manifestation, or an utterance, which doesn't correspond to reality. It could be an error. It could be an equivocation. It could be sarcasm. It could be a genuine mistake. Or it could be a blatant lie. The third thing the Prophet ﷺ refers to is when he said of his sister, of his wife, Sarah, radiyallahu anha, the mother of Ishaq, alayhi salam, that she is my sister. Prophet Ibrahim, alayhi salam, was traveling through a land which was ruled by a tyrant. He was a pervert. And in his perverse ways, it was, he was notorious for... Extending his hand perversely towards any woman that he could get hold of. Ibrahim alayhi salam was aware of this. And in that land, as he was traveling through, he feared for his own safety, he feared for the safety and the honor and dignity of his wife. Eventually, he ended up in the court of this tyrant. Now this tyrant was a pervert. And in his perverse way, what was known of him is that if there was a man and a wife, a husband and a wife, then he would harm the husband and attempt to 
capture the wife and imprison her and enslave her. In his tyrannical and perverse way. However, if the husband, if the man and woman weren't husband and wife, but brother and sister, he would still attempt to capture the woman, but he would try to woo her and lure her rather than aggressively pursue her. And in doing so, he would try to honour the husband so that the husband could agree to his sister being taken into the care or captivity or custody of the king. So, you may, of course, it's very perverse, but a woman had a greater chance of survival and of her chastity, of her dignity remaining intact if she was someone's sister and, tra- and with the brother rather than being married with a husband. So Ibrahim salam was aware of this, so he said to her that undoubtedly the tyrants will approach us now, so there are no other believers in this land besides you and myself. We are the only two believers. And therefore you should regard my, yourself as my sister, Aifiddin, in faith. You are my sister in faith. But we will not disclose that you are my wife. And the tyrant, true to his nature, took Sarah radiallahu anha into captivity and summoned her to his chambers. There he, with ill intent, extended his hand towards her. Sarah radiallahu anha prayed to Allah and he froze. After a short while, he was released from that bondage. He, subhanallah, they never learn. He extended his hand again. Sarah radiallahu anha prayed for the second time. Again, he was instantly paralyzed, momentarily. When he was released from, that, from the clutches of that paralysis, he still did not learn. For the third time, he extended his hand towards her. And then Sarah radiallahu anha prayed again. Again, he was paralyzed. After that, he said, take her away from me. So, Sarah radiallahu anha was sent away. And he, she was sent back safely to the care of the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi Now, in this case, again, it was an equivocation. She was his sister in faith. Just as now, a bit, any believer... Two believers, man and woman, in faith, are brothers and sisters to one another. So the Prophet Ibrahim salam did not lie, but again it was an equivocation. So the first one, inni saqim, I am unwell, I am indisposed, was an equivocation. The second one, بَالْفَعَلَهُ كَبِيرُهُمْ هَذَا Nay, this great idol is the one who has committed this deed. That was sarcasm. And it was actually a concession on his part that I accept that I've done it. But think about it, he is the one who done it. And then the third one was again an equivocation. And that was to protect the sanctity of his wife and her chastity. And the Prophet ﷺ says in a hadith 
that in all of these, he defended the faith of Allah. Ibrahim alayhi salam. He did not lie for himself, he defended the faith of Allah. And again, these weren't blatant lies, these were equivocations. It's a form of dissimulation. This is why the wording is kadib in Arabic. But, as I've explained, kadib does not necessarily and always mean lie in, in the English language. Kadib in Arabic, kadib doesn't always mean a lie. Anyway, I suffice with that. So Ibrahim alayhi salam said, وَإِنِّي قَدْ كُنْتُ كَذَبْتُ ثَلَاثَ كَذِبَاتٍ Verily, I had uttered three lies. فَذَكَرَهُنَّ أَبُوْ حِيَّانَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ As I explained earlier, Abu Hayyan, one of the narrators in the chain of Bukhari, all the way to Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه, he actually detailed all three lies in this particular narration. But the narrators below Abu Hayyan, between Abu Hayyan and Bukhari, they summarized, abridged the hadith, and they omitted the details of these three utterances. So the narrator simply says, فَذَكَرَهُنَّ أَبُوْ حَيَّانَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ That Abu Hayyan did mention them in the hadith. Then, after mentioning this, the Prophet Ibrahim salam will say on the day of reckoning, Nafsi, Nafsi, Nafsi. My soul, my soul, my soul. Just like the Prophet Ibrahim, uh, Adam and the Prophet Nuh before him. I.e. this day I am concerned about my own soul. My own soul is in need of salvation. My own soul is in need of intercession. Let alone that I should go to Allah and intercede on behalf of the creation. Then he will say, اذهبوا إلى غيري Go to someone besides me. اذهبوا إلى موسى Go to موسى فَيَأْتُونَ مُوسَى So people will come to Musa alayhi salam. فَيَقُولُونَ يَا مُوسَى Then they will say, O oh Musa, أَنْتَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ You are Allah's messenger. فَضَّلَكَ اللَّهُ بِرِسَالَتِهِ Allah has favored you with his message. وَبِكَلَامِهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ And with his speech over the people. The meaning of with his speech, Musa alayhi salam is known as Kalimullah, the spoken one, the one with whom Allah spoke to directly. This was before the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Musa alayhi salam, prior to him, the other messengers received their revelations either by dreams or through the angels. But Musa alayhi salam, Allah Azza wa Jal spoke to him directly. And that's why Allah mentions, Allahu Musa taklima. And Allah spoke to Musa with speech. So he is referred to unique amongst the prophets because he was the first one. And prior to this, Ibrahim alayhi salam said, Khalilullah, the dear friend. They said to Ibrahim alayhi salam, Anta nabiyullahi wa khaliluh. You are the Prophet of Allah and his Khalil, his dear friend. Does that mean that he was greater than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, or that Musa alayhi salam? No. Ibrahim alayhi salam enjoyed khullah, the friendship of Allah, more than the Prophets before him. But it still did not match the khullah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam.
same with Musa alayhi salam. His being spoken to Allah, spoken to by Allah, was unprecedented in the other messengers. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam superseded him even in that. Surpassed him even in that. So they said, O oh Musa, you are the one that Allah blessed and favored with his message and with his speech over the other people. Intercede on our behalf before your Lord. Do you not see what state we are in? Verily my Lord, this day has become angry with such an anger that he has never been as angry before. And never will he be as angry again after this. He repeats exactly what all the other prophets before him said, word for word. Then he mentions his own responsibility, something for which he will feel accountable on the day of reckoning, which is, Verily I killed a soul. I slayed a soul whose killing was not for whose killing I was not instructed or given permission. What was that in reference to? Famous story Musa alayhi salam was with was amongst his people and he saw a cot Qibti one of the natives of Egypt those who had suppressed his people. He saw one of them quarreling with one of the Israelites. And in that quarrel, Musa intervened and things escalated as a result of which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dramatically refers to it as فَوَكَّزَهُ مُوسَى فَقَضَى عَلَيْهِ Musa Allah says, فَوَكَّزَهُ مُوسَى Musa thumped him. فَقَضَى عَلَيْهِ So he concluded his affair. Now, in modern legal terms, that would be called manslaughter. He didn't intend to kill him. It wasn't premeditated. He just thumped him one. But because of his force... And what can be said of the strength of a prophet of Allah, such as Musa alayhi salam with his anger. So he, فَقَضَى عَلَيْهِ concluded his affair instantly. So he will feel responsible for that on the day of judgment. Even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had not held him to account for that. So he will recall that incident and then he will say, نَفْسِي 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 my soul, my soul, my soul. He will repeat the words of the former prophets. I.e. this day, my soul is in, itself is in need of salvation. My soul itself is in need of intercession. Idhabu ila ghayri, idhabu ila Isa. Go to someone besides me. Go to Isa. Fayatuna Isa. So they will come to Isa alayhi salam. Fayakurun and they will say, Ya Isa, O Isa. أنت رسول الله. You are Allah's messenger. وكلمته ألقاها إلى مريم. And his word which he cast to Maryam. 
min, and you are a spirit from Allah. And you spoke to the people in the cradle as a child, as an infant. And indeed, Prophet Isa was all of these things. This story of Sayyidina Isa not speaking, sorry, speaking in the cradle, which is mentioned in the scriptures of Islam, in the Quran, in the Ahadith. This is normally ridiculed and dismissed by saying that this has no parallel in the canonical scriptures. And the same is to be said for a number of other stories in the Quran in relation to the Prophet Isa salam. The truth is, the gospels as we know them today, the canonical gospels, they were arbitrarily chosen from many gospels that were available. These were arbitrarily chosen some 300 years after Isa alayhi salam. 325 years. And all the other ones were disposed of, or hidden, or declared non-canonical, and actually heretical. So it was an arbitrary selection. And some of the stories to be found in the Qur'an, though they may not be found in the canonical Gospels, they are to be found in the non-canonical Gospels that have been declared unorthodox, non-canonical, and heretical. There's more to be said about that, but on another occasion. And you spoke to the people. Because a miracle as great and as manifest as this, the Prophet Isa speaking in the cradle. Why isn't that mentioned so often, even though it's in the Quran and in the Hadith? This is a reason. So they will say to him, Ishfa'alana, intercede on our behalf. Do you not see what state we are in? They will repeat the same words that they repeated to the former prophets. فيقول عيسى So Isa alayhi salam will say إِنَّ رَبِّي قَدْ غَضِبَ الْيَوْمَ غَضَبًا لَمْ يَغْضَبْ قَبْلَهُ مِثْلَهُ وَلَنْ يَغْضَبَ بَعْدَهُ مِثْلَهُ Verily this day my Lord has become angry with such an anger that he has never been as angry before nor will he ever be as angry again. Then in this narration it says وَلَمْ يَذْكُرْ ذَنْبًا And he did not mention a sin, meaning the Prophet ﷺ did not mention a sin in relation to Isa in this narration. All of the former prophets, Adam, Nuh, Ibrahim and Musa, all mentioned something. But Isa the Prophet ﷺ didn't mention anything about him in this hadith. But that's just in this narration. We learn from other narrations that he, of course, he didn't mention a sin, but Isa, something which Isa alayhi salam himself did. Rather, in, an, in another narration of this hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam did mention something, which Isa alayhi salam will say on the Day of Judgment, which is that, إِنِّي إِلَاهًا مِّن دُونِ اللَّهِ That, this day, he will say, that I was taken as a God besides Allah.
So I feel answerable for this before my Lord. Then he will say, Nafsi, Nafsi, Nafsi. He will say it too, My soul, my soul, my soul. And in the Quran, in Surah Al Ma'idah, it's mentioned towards the end. وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَى بْنَ مَرْيَمَ أَأَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِي وَأُمِّي إِلَهَيْنِ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ oh, And when, remember when, Allah will say, this is in reference to the Day of Judgment, O oh, Isa, son of Maryam, did you say to the people that take me and my mother as gods besides Allah, as deities besides Allah? So there will be a conversation between Allah and Isa alayhi salam, which Allah references in the Qur'an. So he will feel accountable for that. So he will say, nafsi, 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 my soul, my soul, my soul. Idhabu ila ghayri, go to someone besides me. Idhabu ila Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Fayatuna Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So they will come to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَيَقُولُونَ يَا مُحَمَّدِ So they will say, O oh Muhammad, أَنْتَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ You are Allah's Messenger. وَخَاتَمُ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ And seal of the Prophets. وَقَدْ غَفَرَ اللَّهُ لَكَ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِكَ وَمَا تَأَخَّرَ And verily Allah has forgiven you all your sins, past and future. What has passed of your sins and what have been delayed? Intercede on our behalf before your Lord. Do you not see what state we are in? And remember, who's relating this? The Prophet. So he says, I will then go. And it's not mentioned here, but in another narration of the same hadith, Prophet ﷺ, when people will say this to him, unlike all the other prophets before him, who all said, nafsi, nafsi, nafsi. And in other narrations, this is not my task, this is not my position. Lastuhunakum, this is not my position. Prophet ﷺ's response will be, ana laha, ana laha, ana laha. I am the one for it, I am the one for it, I am the one for it. Then he says, فَأَنْطَلِقْ So I will go. فَآتِي تَحْتَ الْعَرْشِ So I will come to beneath the throne. فَأَقَعُ سَاجِدًا لِرَبِّي عَزَّ وَجَلُ So I will fall in prostration to my Lord. Almighty and Great is he. ثُمَّ يَفْتَحُ اللَّهُ عَلَيَّ مِنْ مَحَامِدِهِ Then Allah will reveal to me of his praises. وَحُسْنِ الثَّنَاءِ عَلَيْهِ شَيْئًا And of good praise for him. Something of good praise for him. لَمْ يَفْتَحُ عَلَىٰ أَحْدٍ قَبْلِي Such praise that he will have never revealed to anyone before me. Now, let me just pause here. <coughs> It's, it's actually quite short in this narration, but it's in some detail in other narrations. What will happen is people will go to the Prophet ﷺ, and they will praise him just like they praised all the other prophets. 
they will say to him, O Prophet of Allah, intercede on our behalf. Prophet ﷺ will say, Ana laha, I am the one for it. Meaning, this intercession is my task on this day. Then he will go. And he just says, I will fall prostrate before beneath the throne. Being the other narrations as mentioned, he will go and knock on the doors of Jannah. Jibreel alayhi salam will come and say, who is it? Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam will say, Muhammad. Jibreel alayhi salam will go to Allah and say, oh Allah, it's Muhammad at the doors of Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, grant him permission to enter. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam will then enter. Why? Because the intercession on behalf of the whole of creation cannot be done on the plane of reckoning. It must be done in a place of honor. So the shafa'ah will take place in Jannah itself. Once he is granted permission, the Prophet ﷺ will enter Jannah. And the angels will say to him, You are the one we are waiting for. For the doors of Jannah cannot be opened for anyone but you. Before you. Prophet ﷺ will enter, fall prostrate before Allah. And it's mentioned in one narration that he will remain in sujood. Qadr al-Jum'ah, meaning for one whole week. Of course, these times, this universe will come to an end. This world will come to an end. So what's the meaning of one day, one night? A night and a day, which are best known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, he will remain in sujood, in prostration for a whole week. And before the prostration, during the prostration and after the prostration, he will praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with such words of praise that in one hadith, Prophet ﷺ says, I cannot do it now. Meaning even though the Prophet ﷺ is the one who is the closest to Allah, his most beloved, and the one who can praise Allah the most in his creation, despite that position, because that's the meaning of the name Ahmed. Muhammad means the one who is most frequently, most exclusively, most excessively praised. And the meaning of Ahmed, which is a superlative from the root verb of Hamd, to praise. So the meaning of Ahmed, he has both names, Ahmed and Muhammad. And the meaning of Ahmed is the one, the meaning of Muhammad is the one who is most excessively, most exclusively, most frequently, and best praised. And the meaning of Ahmed is, the one who praises the best. So he is both Muhammad and Ahmed. Muhammad because of the whole of creation, the creator and the creation praise him the most. And he is Ahmed because of the whole of creation, he is the most capable and the one who does praise Allah the Creator the most, despite that position.
He says, even, na- even I now do not know and cannot praise Allah with those praises that will, He will inspire me with when I shall fall before Him prostrate on that occasion. And that those words of praise will be unprecedented and never to be repeated or replicated after Him by no one. Allah will select Him and choose Him exclusively to praise Him in a manner which is befitting Allah on behalf of the whole of creation. That is the position of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So he will praise Allah in that manner. After which, what will be said to him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to him, Ya Muhammad, O Muhammad, irfa'a ra'sak, raise your head, sal tu'ta, ask and you shall be given, and intercede, and your intercession shall be accepted. So the Prophet ﷺ will intercede on behalf of the whole of creation, but after having interceded on behalf of creation, he will also say, Then I will raise my head. Then I will say, Ummati, my Ummah, Ya Rabbi, O my Lord. Every Prophet of Allah before him said, Nafsi, Nafsi, Nafsi. Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam will say, Ummati, Ummati. My Ummah, my Ummah. I mentioned the verse of Surah Al-Ma'idah earlier on. Allah will say to Prophet Isa Alayhi Salam, O Isa, did you say to the people that take me and my mother as gods besides Allah? Isa alayhi salam in that conversation will reply to him by saying, Subhanak. Ma li anakula ma li bihaq. Oh my Lord, may you be glorified and praised. It's not possible for me to say something of which I have no right. In alimta. If I had said it, then you will know. And then the verse continues. I did not say to them, you know what is in my soul, I, in, I do not know what's in your soul. And then I did not say to them, but what you told me to, which is, that worship Allah, my Lord, and your Lord. In كُنْتُ قُلْتُهُ فَقَدْ عَلِمْتَهُ تَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِي وَلَا أَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِكَ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ مَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ إِلَّا مَا أَمَرْتَنِي بِهِ أن اعبدوا الله ربي وربكم وكنت عليهم شهيدا ما دمت فيهم فلما توفيتني كنت أنت الرقيب عليهم وأنت على كل شيء شهيد So I just summarize that he will have this conversation with Allah if I had said it you will know I only told them what you told me to which is worship Allah my Lord and your Lord but I was a witness over them as long as I was alive amongst them when you recalled me then you became a watcher over them then Isa alayhi salam will pray to Allah and plead on behalf of his ummah. And he will say, In tu'adhibhum fa innahum ibaduk. Oh Allah, if you punish them, then they are your servants after all. وَإِن تَغْفِلْ لَهُمْ فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ And if you forgive them, then after all, oh Allah, you are Allah. You are the Almighty, all wise. 
So that will be an intercession and a prayer and a plea on behalf of his ummah. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, in relation to that, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As radiyallahu anhuma relates in a hadith recorded by Imam Muslim in his sahih that once Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam recited the verse of the Qur'an in which Ibrahim alayhi salam says, رَبِّ إِنَّهُنَّ أَضْلَنَّ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ النَّاسِ فَمَنْ تَبِعَنِي فَإِنَّهُ مِنِّي وَمَنْ عَصَانِي And then the verses continue. In which Ibrahim alayhi salam pleaded with Allah the Allah, these idols have misled many people. So whoever follows me, then he is of me. And whoever disobeys me, then punish him, no. Oh Allah, you are the most forgiving, most merciful. So he pleaded for his ummah. And then the Prophet ﷺ recited this verse of Isa salam in تُعَذِّبْهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ عِبَادُكَ That if you punish them, then they are your servants. So Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As says in this hadith recorded by Imam Muslim in his sahih, that the Prophet ﷺ recited that verse about Ibrahim salam praying for his ummah and Isa salam praying for his ummah. And upon reading these two verses, the Prophet ﷺ broke out weeping in tears. And he, he exclaimed, Ummati, Ummati, my ummah, my ummah. So Allah sent Jibreel salam, even though Allah knows best, and said, go and ask Muhammad what causes him to weep. So Jibreel alayhi salam came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said, Allah asks you even though he knows best, what causes you to weep, O Muhammad? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Ummati, Ummati. So Jibreel alayhi salam went back to Allah and said, Oh Allah, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam weeps and says, Ummati, Ummati, my Ummah, my Ummah. So Jibreel alayhi salam was told by Allah, go back to the Prophet Muhammad and tell him, Inna sanurdika fi ummatik wala nasu'uk, that we will make you pleased and content in relation to your Ummah, and we shall not hurt you. That's the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam shafa'ah and his intercession. On that day when even the prophets of Allah will be saying, Nafsi, Nafsi, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will be saying, Ummati, Ummati. All the other prophets have expired their prayers. He says in many ahadith that every prophet, every messenger has a dua and a supplication. I have reserved mine for the sake of my ummah on the day of resurrection. Now again, this hadith is an abridgment because here he's saying, after I raise my head, I will say to Allah, Ummati, Ummati, my Ummah, my Ummah. However, the whole scene hitherto was about the whole of creation requesting the Prophet ﷺ to intercede on their behalf for the reckoning to begin. But here he says, after raising his head, my Ummah, my Ummah. So there's a disconnect. This is simply an abridgment. We learn from other narrations that what will happen, the sequence of events will be that indeed people will seek the Prophet ﷺ to intercede on their behalf for the reckoning to begin. He will do so. 
and his intercession will be accepted and the nations will be divided and sent in their own individual directions for their reckoning with their prophets and then after that every every nabi every prophet will intercede on behalf of their own nations and on that occasion the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam will intercede exclusively on behalf of the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The previous intercession will be on behalf of the whole of creation, merely for the reckoning to begin. Once that intercession is accepted, all the nations will be divided and sent to their own regions for accounting with their prophets. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will make a special intercession on behalf of his Ummah. Not for the reckoning to begin, but for them to be forgiven and granted entry into Jannah. And he will do this repeatedly, again and again and again, as we will learn. So let me just finish off the hadith. So he will say, فَأَقُولْ After raising my head, I will say, Ya Rabbi, O my Lord, Ummati Ya Rabbi, Ummati Ya Rabbi, My Ummah, O my Lord, My Ummah, O my Lord. فَيُقَالْ سَيُوبِ سَادِ Ya Muhammad, O Muhammad, أَدْخِلْ مِنْ أُمَّتِكْ O Muhammad, enter from your ummah, from your nation, those on whom there is no accountability this day, from the right door of the doors of Jannah. (coughs) Meaning, he will intercede. And this will be the first intercession exclusively on behalf of his ummah. His own ummah. So Allah will accept. And he will be said to him, Go and take all of those from your ummah on whom there is no reckoning this day and take them first into Jannah from the right hand door, from the doors of Jannah. Now it's not mentioned in this hadith but we learn from other narrations. He will do that. Then he will go back again intercede on behalf of others. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept his intercession on behalf of others. So on each occasion, it's mentioned in the hadith, meaning Allah will determine the limits for me. So he will say, okay, now you can take this group of people, this category of people, this description of people, from your ummah into Jannah. And it will be lower and lower, in the sense that the first people to be granted enry Entry upon his intercession will be those on whom there is no accountability, no reckoning. Then, those who are less pious than them. Then those who are less pious than them. Then those who are more sinful than the first. And on each occasion, he will go back and intercede on their behalf. So this intercession will be repetitive. It will be again and again and again. And for each intercession, Allah will give him one group, one group, another group. Yet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa will continue to do so for the sake of his ummah. Then Allah subhanahu then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, Allah will say, Take those from your ummah on whom there is no reckoning this day, and enter them from the right door of the doors of Jannah. And then they are the partners of people. In the other doors of Jannah. What does that mean? Meaning of the gates of Jannah. That one gate will be exclusive for the ummah of Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa No one will enter the same gates with them.
the other gates, both the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will enter as well as others. Then, ثُمَّ قَالْ Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ By that Allah in whose hand is my soul. إِنَّمَا بَيْنَ الْمِسْرَعِينَ مِنْ مَصَارِيعِ الْجَنَّةِ Verily, the distance between the two, between the frames or the two outer posts of the posts of Jannah. You have a door and then you have the frame. So the Masari'i are the outer frames of the doors. So the Prophet ﷺ says, Verily, the distance between the frames, so quite simply the width of the door, the width of the gate, is equivalent to to the distance between Makkah and Yemen. Or between Makkah and Busra. Busra is Basra, which was a very famous city, uh, one of the cities similar to Petra, Palmyra, <coughs> and it was a trading major city, Basra, which unfortunately became depopulated afterwards. But it was there at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and it's in between. It's just it's closer to what used to be closer to Damascus. So, famous large city, very similar to Petra. So, the Prophet ﷺ says the distance between the frames and the doors, well, the width of the doors, so the distance between the two outer frames of the doors of Jannah will be similar to that distance, which is between Makkah and Yemen, or Makkah and Basra, which is closer to Damascus. And the word here is not Yemen, it's Himyar. Because Himyar, before the arrival of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the late 6th, well, in the 6th century, there was a famous Himyarite kingdom which ruled over Yemen. And that's why Yemen was also called Himyar in those days. It was a, it was a very famous Himyarite kingdom. So the Prophet ﷺ refers to it as Himyar, which means Yemen. This brings us to the end of the hadith. Now, I'd just like to mention a few things about the hadith in general. This intercession is known as the Shafa'atul Uzma, the great intercession, which will be on behalf of the whole of creation. And there's so much detail that we can go into, but I don't wish to do that now. We leave the hadith simply as it is, and this will be the gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the whole of creation on the day of judgment. Now a few, a few things here about the hadith. One simple question. How come the people will go to Adam alayhi salam and then to Nuh alayhi salam and then to Ibrahim alayhi salam? and then to Musa and Isa salam, and then to the Prophet and why these five prophets? These five prophets are known as Ulul Azma min al-Rusul, the ones of great might and resolve amongst the prophets. These were the chosen ones. Adam, Nuh, Ibrahim, Musa, Isa, and the Prophet In fact, 
people say Adam alayhi salam is not normally included in the five. But in any case, these were the great prophets of Allah. So why would people go to Adam alayhi salam and then to... And wouldn't the Prophet ﷺ know that this is the task of the Prophet ﷺ? So why wouldn't Adam ﷺ direct people straight to the Prophet ﷺ? Why send them to Nuh? And why would Nuh send them to Ibrahim and so on? And we know this hadith, we hear this hadith, so have the Sahaba who related. So why will this still happen on the Day of Judgment? Why wouldn't it just be the case that the Prophet ﷺ will incede since everyone knows that that's his task, that's his position. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause everyone to forget. One. Number two, the Prophets of Allah ﷺ will know. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause them to do this. So that this would be a dramatic display about the position of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This whole scene will be played out to enhance the position of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So that people will realize who he truly is. And people will rush from prophet to prophet to prophet. And each prophet will direct them to the next one, but ultimately to come to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's the reason. Now, <clears throat> this great shafa'ah is referred to in the Qur'an. Not with the direct words, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Isra, Asa an yab'athaka rabbuka maqaman mahmudah. Perhaps your Lord will raise you to the praised station. The maqam al-mahmuda, the praised station, is this. The great intercession on the day of reckoning. And why is it the great praised station? Why is the great intercession the praised station? Because... The whole of creation will want someone to intercede on their behalf, to relieve them of that suffering. And when the Prophet ﷺ will achieve that, all of them will be eternally grateful to him. And they will heap praise on him for doing so. Believer as well as non-believer. Follower as well as non-follower. Friend as well as foe. Everyone will sincerely praise Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for that great intercession. And that's why Allah refers to it as the praised station. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself taught us that in every, after every adhan, pray to Allah. And part of that dua of adhan is, وَبْعَثْهُ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا الَّذِي وَعَدْتَ إِنَّكَ لَا تُخْلِفُ الْمِيعَادِ After every adhan we pray, اللهم رب هذه الدعوة التامة والصلاة القائمة آت محمد الوسيلة والفضيلة وَبْعَثْهُ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا الَّذِي وَعَدْتَ 
Allah, and I'm just translating the end part of the dua, raise him, the Prophet ﷺ, to the praise station which you have promised him. And verily, you do not fail in your promise. And what is that praise station? And of that, the Prophet ﷺ says, whoever prays thus, my intercession shall become obligatory for him on the day of resurrection. Because that's all connected. So this is the praise station, the great intercession. And as I mentioned last week, the praise station is just part of the Prophet Wasallam's position. The Prophet Wasallam, our messenger, Wasallam, is a prophet of praise. His names denote praise. He was praised in his life. He remains, he continues to be praised. And he will be praised in the Akhirah and in the hereafter too. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the names of Ahmed and Muhammad. Muhammad means the one who is the most exclusively, excessively, frequently praised from the whole of creation. By the creation, by Allah the creator himself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to him, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ And we have elevated your mention. Subhanallah. No Muslim gives adhan or hears a adhan without mentioning the Prophet There is no ritual prayer without the mention of the Prophet A baby is not born in a Muslim family. Except the first word the baby hears is the adhan. And in that adhan, Allah and his messenger. A person does not get married. Every day a person prays. Throughout childhood a person is taught. A person prays every day with the mention of the Prophet ﷺ. A person does not get married without the sunnah khutbah of nikah which contains the words of Allah and his messenger and the praise of his prophet. No Muslim makes a dua without praising the messenger of Allah. And when a person just as a child is born, he enters the world hearing the name of Allah, he or she enters the world hearing the name of Allah and his messenger. When a Muslim leaves this world, he or she leaves hearing the name of Allah and the messenger. Or with the words of Allah and the name of his messenger mentioned over them. In the grave, the name of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would be mentioned. A person would be questioned about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What do you say about this man? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has conferred the best of titles and the greatest praise on him. He is the Prophet of praise. His name is Ahmed, the one who praises the most of the whole of creation. Muhammad, the one who is praised the most. On the day of judgment, as he mentions in many ahadith, he shall bear the standard, he shall carry the standard of praise on the day of resurrection. Every prophet will be beneath that standard and behind him. He will be the one who will be inspired to words of praise. 
for which he shall fall before Allah and prostrate to him. Such words of praise that will be unprecedented and unreplicated and repeated after him. Prophet ﷺ is the prophet of praise. And for every moment of the day, Muslims all over the world continue to send their peace, their greetings and their salutations upon him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Ahzab, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا Verily Allah and His angels. They send their prayers to the prophets. O believers, you send your prayers and your greetings to Him. And we hear this verse all the time. We know it. But do we really reflect on it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us what he and his angels do. When we send salutations to the Prophet of course we send him our greetings, our peace, and our prayers. But that is not so much for him as it is for ourselves. It's for our peace, our solace, our comfort, and for our supplications and prayers to be accepted. Otherwise, how can our greetings and our salutations and our peace match the greetings and the peace and the prayers and the salutations of the angels? And over and above the angels, how can they match the peace, the blessings, the prayers and the salutations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself? When a person is distressed, all it takes is for one person to say a few kind words to them, to make them feel worthy, valued, to restore their esteem, and to revive them, and to lift them from the sinking moods of depression. A few good words can kindle someone's spirits, can revive their spirits, can raise them, make them boisterous again, make them feel worthwhile and valued. Just a few kind words from one individual. We give each other solace and comfort. With just a few words, we can't change reality. But a few words do wonders. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, when you go to visit the ill, then, and he mentioned, how we should greet them, what prayers we should make for them. And then he said, because your words will not change reality, nor will they dispel the fate and destiny of this person, but it will make his heart feel good. And that in itself is helpful and conducive to restoration of health. So a few good words do wonders. And when we are down in the dumps, when we are distressed, when we feel hemmed in, pressed in. Even a few kind words from a stranger can lift our spirits and make us feel better. Can make us forget our woes and sorrows. That's how we strengthen and support each other and give each other solace and comfort. Subhanallah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for every moment of the day as long as someone is praying salah, giving adhan, making dua, 
sending salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ for every single moment of the day from all corners of the globe, Rasulullah ﷺ receives greetings of love, of adoration from his followers and from his devotees and those who love him. And for every moment of the day, Rasulullah receives the salutations and the peace and the blessings and the greetings of the angels. And greatest of all, lo and behold, the salawat and the salam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. What could affect him? What could distress him? And even those who hate him, who mock him, who ridicule him, who satirize him, who lampoon him, he is a prophet of praise. On the day of reckoning, they will be the first to utter words of praise for him. That's why that's Maqam al-Mahmuda, the praise station. There will always be hate. As I said before, he is the prophet of praise. So why all this vitriol? Why all this hate? Well, there can be no light without darkness. There can be no life without death. There can be no love without hate. And it's only in light of all of that hate that the love and the praise of others shines through. Such devotion to one man, it doesn't affect him in the least. The salawat and the salam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rain down upon him for every moment of the day. All the time. And when we send our dua and our salawat and our salam, we do, we do so more for us, for ourselves, than for him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to understand Allah, increase our love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and enable us to follow in his footsteps. Indeed, he prayed for us, he strove for us. He did so much for us. In this dunya and in the akhirah, he will do so much. When other prophets will be saying, nafsi, nafsi, my soul, my soul, he will say, ummati, ummati, my ummah, my ummah. It shows his sincerity. May Allah enable us to follow in his footsteps, to learn of his sunnah, and to be a true follower of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa صلى الله وسلم على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك. This lecture was delivered by Sheikh Abu Yusuf Riyadul Haq and has been brought to you by Al Kotha Productions. For additional lectures and products, please visit www.akstore.com. We can also be contacted by phone on double zero double four one two one. Double seven one three triple seven, or by email via sales at akstore.com. Produced under license by Alcotha Productions. All rights reserved for Alcotha Productions and the author. Any unauthorized distribution, broadcasting, or public performance of this recording will constitute a violation of copyright.